Welcome to the Elevate podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders, where we're all about building better businesses. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. In addition to the podcast, the Registered Master Builders Elevate is also an online learning platform hosting courses, programs, and content that help construction business owners and their staff to build a better business. Now let the business building begin. Hey guys, we want to talk to you about how people progress uh, through their careers really and how they go from employment and through to business ownership and really ultimately where they'd like to end up. And many of you may have read uh, some of Robert Kiyosaki's literature. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course, is one of uh, his very first groundbreaking, mm-hmm. and he's written many other books, Cashflow Quadrants and, and others. Um, but one of the models that he talks about is really how people progress. So most of us start off being employed by someone else, and then a progression can be moving from employment to self-employed, then to business owner, and then finally to investor. I think most of us at some point would uh, love that idea of being an investor where our money's working mm. working for us um, and that we don't have to turn up at the uh, the office or the factory or the yard or whatever it might be each day to um, make a dollar. But Mike, maybe when, when did you make the uh, progression mm-hmm. from employee to uh, one of those other quadrants? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I got made redundant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Always a good catalyst yeah, for such yeah, a decision. Yeah, yeah. And to... Uh, make a dollar, so went out contracting mm-hmm. um, for a little while. That was um, that I learned a lot. Oh, I learned I didn't want to be a contractor. I didn't want to be self-employed. Mm. And it, at that stage, it was pretty tricky. I had a, um, you know, we had a small child. We had a big mortgage, and the uncertainty at that age was was just too much. Mm. What age were you? Uh, probty 31, 32. Mm-hmm. Oh, late starter. Late start. Wow. Well, it's true of everything I've done, really. I'm, I'm a late developer. Oh, right. I'm still coming into my yeah, full potential. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, so when you think about uh, self-employed as, a, as kind of a bracket, how do you define self-employment? Uh, I guess it's that sole trader. That's how I think about it. Um, well, that's how we should think about it. Mm-hmm. And, and look, it's um, you know that particular model where you're trading hours for, for money Um it's it's almost not even self-employed. It really is as a, as a sort of contractor. And there's plenty of businesses. You know, the ideal business is one where, um, and probably Tim Ferriss had one of these. You know, it was just him. Mm. You know, staff of one, mm. and had an empire all around it because he mm. had got it so leveraged and so automated. So, but that's rare. That's rare. Yeah. yeah. And and if you dig deep in on uh, Tim Ferriss and what he talked about in the four hour work week, yeah. um, actually there was an army of people around virtual yeah. virtual assistants and yeah. Uh, yeah. online models that were helping him run that yeah. that business. So you know, good on him. Not taking any away nah. from Tim Ferriss. Done a great job, but it's uh, it's not many people's reality. Uh, no, and one. it's and it is also you know it's true that there was only one employed, but the others were all contracted. So mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so he's kind of virtualized his team, mm-hmm. which is fine, and it, and it mm-hmm. works as a model. I think that um, what we've seen more of is people who are self-employed um, with support staff. And at that point, you know, they're kind of not quite business owners. They're doing a job and they've got people supporting them. Uh, that transition from self-employed to, support, to, to business owner, 
you know, when, when I bought the program that became the breakthrough, there was only one other staff member. But, and you could say, well, I was self-employed. Mm. I didn't think of myself like that. Mm. I thought of myself as owning a business. Mm. And in part because the revenue was independent largely of my efforts other than my sales efforts. Mm. Um, it did have a brand and it had systems and it had processes. Mm. It wasn't just hand cranked. So at that point, you know, we can say we're business owners. Now, a lot of people, as I say, are actually self-employed with yeah. support staff. Mm. They are hand cranking it. And, the people, and you can have 20 support staff, but it's still hand cranked the thing is a very much a product of your effort mm. as opposed to getting that leverage mm. where the brand and the systems and the yeah. processes make mm. more money than you can on your own mm. and then the investor bit come down to the next part of the quadrant is where your money makes more money than you do mm -hmm. that's the yeah, that's, that's the, the trick. Key. That's yeah. the trick. Yeah. Um, unlike you, I wasn't a uh, late developer. I was an early, early you starter. You were an early starter. Um, I uh, was working for an IT business when I was uh, in my early 20s and uh, had the classic, oh, I reckon I could do this better myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably naively at the time, I, I'm sure. Uh, but at 23, set out to start my own IT business and right. did that. And I, I very much thought of it as uh, owning my own business. Yeah. When I reflect, I, I was self-employed. You know, there was a uh, myself and a, a partner, a business partner at that time, and then we had uh, one and then a couple of staff. Mm. But that business was so reliant on me. Yeah. yeah you know, I and know. I think I for me, know. that's mm. kind of that definition of self-employed is how yeah. reliant are you? And Robert Kiyosaki, I think, uses the example of self-employed as the uh, doctor, the general yeah, practitioner, yeah. right? So yes, they have receptionists, yes, they have nursing staff, uh, but ultimately, if they are not there doing appointments, not much money comes into the organisation. Right. So yeah. I think yeah. if the business is very reliant on you, whilst you might call yourself a business owner, you're, as you put it, Mike, self-employed with some, with some support helpers, staff. Yeah, support yeah. staff. Yeah, well, you were kind of uh, 20, 20 years ahead of your time in terms of going into business from employment. A lot of, it's one of those kind of rules I've got, rule of 43, mm -hmm. um, an amazing number of people, particularly men, I'd have to say, get to age 43, like I did, and go, I can do this myself. Or, mm. you know, life conspires to give them that opportunity, you know, they kind of run out of runway at, at the corporate or whatever. Or they, um, as I often say, you know, they look above them and all they see is assholes and they think, right, I'll go and do my own thing. And that's where an amazing number of people. I guess it's because um, people have got a combination of they've got experience, they've still got all their energy, mm. they've got their, their kind of home and family life is sort of settled into at least a pattern of some security. Uh, and Might they, have a bit of an asset base yep, you know, yep, at that point. Yep, and if they haven't overburdened themselves with a house they can't afford, then they've got some leeway mm. to kind of... Um, go and create something, mm. not just for themselves, but yeah. to run a business, mm. which is a very different piece, as we say, from being self-employed. Mm. Yeah. And I think the other thing about the 43 is you feel like you've got some runway left. You kind of go, hey, yeah. I've maybe got five or 10 years to really make yeah. this make this work, yeah. and there'll be you know, plenty of time to- Or 16 uh, or 17. Yeah, or however many. Conversely, Kaisaki talks about the business owner being a McDonald's franchise owner, where yeah. there is ultimate system and process for everything you do, um, from how you make the burger to how you train the staff yeah. to how you run the drive-through. Yeah. And ultimately, the business owner does not need to be physically present in the business all day, every day yeah. for that to work. Yeah. So I think that's what we're, uh, or many of our clients are certainly looking yeah. for. Yeah. Um, and whilst they're not necessarily looking for a franchise model, they're really trying to create a business machine.
Yeah, yeah. And and to a degree, they're kind of aspiring. They would say that they're aspiring to that investor status where their investment in the business makes yeah. more money than they do. Mm-hmm. But 99% of people get stuck in that business owner state. Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the reality. They get stuck there, yeah. always trying to kind of not clear about how to get it to that next level so mm. that it can operate without them, mm. or addicted to being in there, mm. or not spending enough time developing the team around them who can then work on the processes to make the turn it into that machine. When, yeah. I always think the McDonald's model is a bit a bit tough. I mean, there's a lot of business. Yeah, that's pretty standard, and not many businesses are that standard, are that cookie cutter. But every good business is capable of being systemized, productized, uh, standardized, and to some degree automated and highly repeatable. Highly repeatable. We want businesses that are built on processes that are repeatable, teachable, and valuable and scalable. that gives you scale. Yes, yes, gives you scale. That's totally. the machine. You know, yep. that's what we're after is how to get that yeah. machine. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get trapped uh, in the move from self-employed to business yeah. owner because they the business is so reliant on them. Yeah. And I think we've got a coming wave of challenge with a number of baby boomers now looking to exit yep. their business, yep. uh, getting to a retirement age. And they look at selling their business and actually when they stand back, they go, actually, without me, there's nothing to sell here. Yeah. I hold all the key client relationships. I hold all the key supplier relationships. Uh, I kind of have lots of the IP for how the business works and the systems mm-hmm. and the processes mm-hmm. in, in my head. Mm-hmm. And the thought of someone else coming in and taking that over is just like, you know what, without you, there's nothing nothing here. Yeah, and increasing, yeah, that's right. And people have to face that way, way too late. You know, the time they come to put it on the market, they go and talk to the broker and the accountant, mm. and they go, mm. nothing here, buddy. You might as well, you know, close up the shop. Mm. So, Mike, as a, uh, you know, some action that our listeners might be able to take if they thought they were identifying somewhere in that, you know, maybe self-employed or business owner, but it's still a bit reliant on me, mm. what would be some of the big leverage points they could uh, look at to, to change uh, that? I think, the, I think the first thing they do should do is simplify the business. Because most often what keeps us trapped inside that business owner is the complexity of trying to run too many different bits. Mm-hmm. Some are historical, some are there because you know kind of balance and diversify mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. balance the risk, etc. Actually get good, get really good at a smaller number of things because that will be how you can yeah. scale up. So I think mm-hmm. that's the first thing is yeah. clear, clarify mm-hmm. your focus. Mm-hmm. Have, have you got an example of someone you've worked with that has, has done that, they've uh, let go of things? Um, I'm trying to think the most recent one was a couple of just a couple of days ago. Uh, it was an area of business they had been in for some years. I can't think of the name, but they had basically got to the point where they're saying, you know what, this is go- just going to tick along at this steady level of not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just more effort than it's worth. Yeah. And in particular, it was what they would get from putting that same amount of effort mm-hmm into an area that they knew was growing. Opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah opportunity yep. cost. Right. So getting clear about that, getting, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about it this morning in our own board meeting yeah. about, you know, what does a clinical, brutally focused, totally focused look like? You, you just kind of, well, if you don't get to that threshold, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, we're going to put our effort into the into the product area or the, uh, the opportunity area that's going to give us that kind of return. Mm. And so being clear about that, I think, is number one, getting rid of the, Getting rid of the dross so that you can focus on the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, second leverage, leverage point that comes very quickly after that is your people. Right. 
uh, and in particular your managers, mm -hmm. because it's not enough to show people how you do stuff. You know, if you want the business to grow, you're going to be doing things that you don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. So you need to have people who are in your mold. You know, they share your values, they yep. share your culture, they share mm -hmm. your vision, mm -hmm. but they're going to do things their way, and that could easily be a better way than you've done. So. Uh, typically what happens in small businesses, those people come up from the floor. Yes. They've got technical background, they're super doers. Mm -hmm. uh, I was running a session, an AMP session the other day, and and um, this great guy is in this, in this group. I, I love him. He, he just, the way, he comes, he comes from the floor. Yep. He doesn't come from school. Um, he's... Uh, and when we say come from the floor, here we're talking about an organisation that takes very, very big bits of machinery cuts them up, yep. uh, basically uh, kind of uh, chop shop in a legal way, mm -hmm. uh, does them and makes them a whole lot better for like forestry industry and, yeah, and those kind of things. Those like, it's amazing. flying all over yeah, the floor yeah, and there's yep. banging of big steel yep. hammers. Yep. It's, it's dirty and noisy and mm -hmm. that's where he comes from. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about what he's got to do with his supervisors and team leaders is what he's done, which is step up, step back, be less concerned. What did he say? He said, They've got to learn to do less so they can get more done. Oh, that was just a wonderful statement of the mm -hmm. journey he's been on mm -hmm. and the leverage, you know, the what he's adding to that business now, now that he has kind of redefined his role, not as a super doer or as a, a problem solver or a people fixer or a, actually he's a manager. Mm -hmm. He's about helping get the best out of his team, making sure that the processes are working, getting people to work on yep. processes, to stick to processes, so that you can get the product out on time, so that you can get invoiced and create that lovely consistency. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. that's the dream. He's really embraced these, what we talk about in our first module on the Active Management Program, which is the active versus reactive. Yeah. Yep. Probably used to be quite reactive, running around, Probably. solving problems, yep. sorting things out yep. You know, on the treadmill. Yep. Uh, and now by taking a more proactive approach, is starting to create a team around him that deals with things. They don't keep running to him all the time. Yeah. They bring, uh, bring that consistency. He is now kind of preaching the, the active management program um, mantra, mm. which is stop, think. And he just says to his guys, just, just think, just stop for a minute. And so he's able to have a conversation mm. with them in mm. the moment. Yeah. And what have you seen happen with his confidence as a, oh, as a manager? Look, he's, well, he's just now taken over the whole end-to-end -end of that production process. Mm. So he had the, kind of, he had the workshop. Now he's got the drawing office and he's got the, the purchases as well. Wow. And, and he's making a huge difference awesome. as, as we speak. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. It's just so great to watch. Mm. Mm. Okay. So uh, that transition to true business owner, simplify yep. first, uh, focus on your biggest leverage point initially, which is, is people. Yep. 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 And then would we say, uh, think about how you create system and process to yep. make things yep. highly, highly repeatable and scalable yep. after that? Yep. Systemize yep. your processes, automate where you can, because that's where you get the greatest scale. Mm. Yep. And when we think about automating, that starts right at the very beginning of a business, which you know, in my, my belief is, where do you create leads? So where does your, where does your marketing start? Yeah. That should be something that's highly repeatable. It should have a process. It should have consistent effort, totally. not the typical boom and bust, and then that should flow right through your entire organization, right through to customer delivery and customer follow-up and the whole lot. The whole lot.
Yeah. yeah, it's the machine. That's what we're talking about trying to create, the, the business yeah. machine. And once we've got that business machine, it's actually really easy to transition into investor because you can move out of an operational mm -hmm. role in your mm -hmm. business and probably nothing will deliver greater ongoing cash to you over the long term than being a being a major shareholder in your own business. Yeah, uh, but sure. you've, you've got a lot of work to do to really create that business machine. Yeah. Uh, and then you can you know, move into the investor, oh, investor yeah. role. But look, I would recommend if you're thinking about kind of building to sell, I would just tell you, assume you're going to be putting that money into another business because you will not generate any returns equivalent to the dividends you get from a successful business. And I've seen that time and time again. Mm -hmm. So I think that's right. I think um, I think part of the problem for us as business owners is that we don't think enough about that investment side. What is it actually generating enough in that way? Mm -hmm. And And looking at it as investors would probably help us see a whole lot of areas that were over-invested and other areas where we're under-invested. So mm. yeah, it is, it's, it's the hat you wear and, and uh, uh, I always think what you, what you see depends on where you stand. Mm. Stand in the shoes of yourself as an investor in your own business yes. and there's a whole bunch of things you yeah. would do very differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know one of the challenges for business owners is they, they kind of quite like the business being reliant on them because it makes them feel important. It's ego. Yeah, it's ego. Mm. How, how should we be thinking about that? Oh, shouldn't. Let, let it go? Yeah. Let the ego go? Just just stop it. Yeah, yeah, get out of your own way. Because that's a classic getting in your own way to think of it like that. It doesn't, you know, you really want to think about the opposite, which is the business doesn't depend on you. That's what you should be proud of. Yes. Now, I was talking to a group of builders. I say, look, guys, I know how, how proud you feel when you stand across the road from, from a house or a commercial mm. building that mm. you've constructed. I would like you to have the same attitude to your business, which is you can stand across the metaphorical road from it Take a look at it and say, yeah, I built that. Because I think that building a business is as creative as any other creative pursuit. You know, you are building something literally out of nothing. Now, it mm. might not exist as, um, you know, as kind of concrete, if you like, as a, as a building. Mm -hmm. But as a presence and as a legacy and as a, an entity independent of you, it is something you can absolutely yeah. be proud of. Mm -hmm. And in that construction scenario, you can still be standing in front of houses going, my organization built these, yeah. and there's just going to be a whole lot more more of them. That's exactly right. That's yeah. the leverage point. This is one of ours, not one of mine. I didn't yes. do this. Yes. My team did this. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Superb. Uh, look, guys, if you're interested in the active management program, which we've touched on a little bit in this podcast episode about how it can help create leverage for you in your management team, go to thebreakthrough.co forward slash AMP. So breakthrough.co forward slash AMP. And hey, look, we'd be really interested to hear in the uh, comments, uh, what was your guys' transition from employment to self-employment or into business ownership? Are you still in the employment zone and thinking about how you make that leap? We'd be uh, interested to see where yeah. you're at. Yep, um, throw some questions our way. We'd be very happy to uh, answer them for you.